Our scripture for today comes from the book of Acts, the second chapter. It is the Pentecost story, so listen for the word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phyrega and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, all in our own languages. We hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? This is the word of God. We are God's people, so we say, thanks be to God. Well, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit to the world and the birth of the church. It's a great day and one that has often been a lot of fun for me in previous churches. In some places, it's tradition uh, that I've served. It's, it's a tradition that everybody wears red to worship in celebration on Pentecost Sunday. And uh, I have no idea if that's your tradition here at St. Paul's or not. Because we were so busy planning Easter in the winter when we went on lockdown and um, online-only worship, we never even got to talk to Pente about Pentecost in our worship planning. I do think, though, if I wanted to try such a celebration, that you all could really knock it out of the park wearing red, because it's the official state color of Nebraska, right? Or is that just during football season? I'm not quite sure. Well, one previous church I served had the most beautiful courtyard right outside the sanctuary doors. And so over the years I served there, we got in the habit of, on Pentecost, we would order big sheet cakes, red velvet sheet cakes, of course. And after worship, we would go out and just have a big party on the lawn, everyone wearing red, eating cake, and under the spring sky, it was just really a wonderful tradition. Today is Pentecost but it is unlike any Pentecost I have ever experienced because here I am still communicating to you through the camera and you're still there in your various living rooms and home offices and kitchens and back decks and participating in worship through a screen right now. And that kind of makes it a little harder to feel celebratory. Or I was thinking that until Mark saying I'll fly away and now I'm pretty joyed up. So thank you, Mark, for that. But maybe this is true for you too. I don't really know how the news of the week has affected you, but it has made it a little harder to feel celebratory as well. We passed 100,000 deaths in the United States from COVID-19. There are so many families around us who are mourning. When that number 100,000 was first floated as a possibility sometime in March, I thought, no way. That is way too big. That is wrong. No way we're going to get there. And we reached it before we even finished May. How high is the death toll going to go? before we get to the end of 2020. I don't even want to guess a number. And then, of course, you've seen the news. A, a man named George Floyd was killed by a cop in Minneapolis this week. And his death came in the most inhumane way, the cop kneeling on his neck for almost nine minutes, even though he was handcuffed and lying there still. There's just, there's no excuse for it. There's no explaining it. It was an abuse of power. 
and because of that, a man is dead. And that moment itself is horrible and shocking to us, but we know, and, and black Americans especially know, that it is not an isolated incident. It's not the first time like this something has happened. It's happened way too many times before, and the killing of Floyd has broken open once again for our country all the hurt and tension and anger that we have about racism and the injustices faced by African Americans who far too often fear for their safety and their lives. And so people are protesting all over the country, right here in Omaha. And some of those protests have turned into riots, and that makes it scary and difficult for us, difficult maybe to even know how to talk about, and it's so unsettling in this time when everything already felt so unsettled. And yet, and yet we gather here for worship because we believe that God has a message of hope for us. We gather here for worship because we believe that God has good news for us and for the world and that the gospel of God's saving love, it, it isn't just good news when things are good. It's good news when things are hard and when they look bleak. It's good news when we are weary or when we're fumbling. So if you have had even a moment like that this week or especially this weekend, if you have felt any of those things, fumbling or weak or bleary or bleak or like things are hard, if you have just had even a moment like that in the last few days, I want you to know that you are in the right place because we are worshiping God together, and, and that is where we come to get rest, to get reset, to get renewed, to get recentered, to get refreshed. That's what the saving love of God does for us. And after that, then we're sent back out into the world to be the disciples of Jesus Christ. This is what Pentecost fundamentally teaches us. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit comes to us just when and just how we need it. The Spirit energizes us, it fills us, and it launches us back out into the world to share the message of Jesus. That's what happened on the first Pentecost, and it's what happened to God's people over and over again since. I have no doubt that it will happen also to us if we ask. Now, we read this morning from the book of Acts. Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke, right? Same writer, second chapter, one continuous story. So as we come to this reading, we remember that Jesus has been resurrected. He has appeared to the disciples for a long time. The scripture says he was with them for 40 days, which is just the Bible's way of saying a really long time. And then Jesus ascended into heaven, and the disciples were left, I don't know actually what they were left feeling. We aren't really told. They had been told to expect that the Holy Spirit would come. Jesus promised he would send them a helper, but, but we don't know their mood. We could imagine. I don't know. Were they hopeful? Were they nervous? Were they excited? Were they anxious? Were they doubtful? However they were feeling, I sort of doubt they could have anticipated what actually happened. The story says they were gathered together in a room. Everyone who had known and loved and followed Jesus together in that room, and suddenly the whole house was filled with this huge wind, a violent wind, the scripture says. Now, I've only lived in Nebraska for a year. So far, it has not been that windy here. I came from central Kansas, okay? <laughs> That's windy business. But I'm trusting that you all still know these moments right before a thunderstorm comes, sometimes there's a dry line, right? And maybe a 70-mile-an-hour wind just blows through for five minutes. That's what I imagine this was like at Pentecost, where the whole room, the whole house, everything was shaking as the wind moved through. 
So a violent wind came through the place where the disciples were staying. Then flames appeared and came near to each one of them, and they were filled up with something, some feeling like they had never experienced before, so full of the love of God that they just had to talk about it. And they started all speaking at once, telling about what God had done and who they knew God to be. And and outside that house, there were people all in Jerusalem from the Harvest Festival And they heard a commotion and they gathered up in a crowd because that's what people do when they hear a commotion. They want to know what's going on. Today, we'd say they all pulled out their phones and started filming. Crowd was full of people from all over the place. And amazingly, everyone in that crowd heard someone in the house speaking in their native language. And they were shocked because they could tell it was a room full of people from Galilee. And the people from Galilee weren't really known for being that, like, worldly and sophisticated and knowing different languages. So shocked were the people, in fact, and we didn't read this part of the scripture, though it's my favorite part, so shocked were the people about what was happening in that room, they said they must all be drunk. Now, I never could quite figure that out, how alcohol would give people the ability to speak in other languages. (laughs) My experience has been alcohol usually decreases someone's verbal skills. Not increases it, but that doesn't matter. That's what the scripture says. And the disciples were not drunk anyway. They were just energized. They were excited. And Peter, he calls the crowd together and he quiets them down and he tells them all about who Jesus was and what he'd done. And the Jewish faithful that were there in the crowd, they they were so moved by Peter's sermon that 3,000 of them committed themselves to the way of Jesus on that day. They were baptized. They became Christian disciples. Now, this is not the only time in the, in the book of Acts that the, this sort of massive conversion occurs, but it's the first time, and so we call it the birth of the church. Of course, the leadership of the church had been assembled, right? The disciples were there. They'd been together already for years by the time Pentecost happened, but here's what's different about Pentecost. Before Pentecost, everyone who was meeting together to pray in the name of Jesus Everyone who said that they wanted to live like he had taught them to live, they had all met him, right? They had all known Jesus. They had heard his human voice and seen his human face, and many of them had seen him personally die. They had all seen human Jesus, everyone who was following him. That was before Pentecost. But after Pentecost, the day after, all of a sudden there were 3,000 people who believed in Jesus, who prayed in his name, who had never met him. They had never met him. They hadn't even seen his resurrected body that was around with the disciples, let alone that Jesus who had gone to the cross. They had never met him. They had no idea what color his hair was or how tall he was or how much he talked with his hands. They had never physically met Jesus, but yet they pledged their lives to him. They worshiped him. They had faith in him and what he had accomplished through the cross. The day before Pentecost, there were some friends of Jesus who were hanging out together. The day after Pentecost, there was a church. And that church had the power to grow and grow and grow because what happened on that day of Pentecost kept right on happening. Those 3,000 people who heard about Jesus from someone else, they also got the gift of the Holy Spirit, just like the disciples had. And some of them got really fired up, and they went out to tell other people about Jesus. And those people believed And then those people got the gift of the Holy Spirit. And some of them got really fired up and went out to tell other people about Jesus. And those newest people also believed, and they got the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you see where this is going on and on and on and on, right up to now. 
So Pentecost, it's a, it's a unique sort of holiday in the life of the church because it isn't just celebrating something that happened a long time ago. It is that, and, and I like celebrating that, and I like wearing red and having balloons and eating cake to celebrate that, but Pentecost isn't just that. It also has within it a call to action, a call to action. Because part of celebrating Pentecost is us remembering the gift of the Holy Spirit for the disciples is the same gift of the Holy Spirit for us right here, right now. And what did that Holy Spirit do? It launched the disciples out into the world to share the saving love of Jesus with others. They couldn't keep quiet. They were so filled up, they couldn't keep still. They couldn't keep the news to themselves. The Holy Spirit launched them out into the world to share the saving love of Jesus with others. And guess what? Guess what the Holy Spirit wants to do right now? That same thing, of course. Launch us out into the world to share the saving love of Jesus with others. Now, we have a big advantage today because we're already out in the world. On some Pentecost Sundays, I maybe would have spent some time in the sermon talking about how crucial it is that we take the love of God outside of the building, how we can't just keep the goodness of God's love here inside these walls. Well, the pandemic kind of took care of that for us, didn't it? You're already outside the walls. Right now, you are. You've been outside the walls of the church for months now. It could not be more obvious to us today that the church is something other than this physical place where we gather. The church has to be us. It has to be a community, not a building. The church is obviously a people, and so what we do as a church isn't about what happens inside here. It's about what happens in our lives, including out there, in the world, where you are right now, in your neighborhood, in your community. So you are already in the exact right place that you need to be to grab this Pentecost spirit and do what the disciples did, which is share the saving love of God with other people. So how do we do it? Well, sometimes we do it just like the disciples did. We get so filled up with excitement about who God is and what God has done in our lives that we just have to tell other people about it. We tell them how good God is and how strong is God's love and and how we found healing, and how we found hope, and we invite them to trust in God and find that salvation and that assurance for themselves. Sometimes that's what we do when we're filled up with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, though, sharing the saving love of God with other people, sometimes it means doing something like reaching out to the hurting and the broken and offering compassion and support and help. I think about the story of the Good Samaritan, Remember, he saw a man beaten by robbers and left to die on the side of the road. And what did he do? He stopped, he picked the man up, he cleaned his wounds, he bound them up, and he took that man to a place of safety and gave him what he needed to rest and to heal. And we have the chance to do that same sort of thing. In fact, this is exactly what healthcare professionals all over the world are doing right now, treating the sick who have COVID-19. And oftentimes, they're putting themselves at tremendous risk to care for others in their hour of illness and their hour of need. And if we do that because we love God, then that's a way for us to share the saving love of God with the world, the world that needs it. And sometimes the Holy Spirit fills us up to go share the saving love of God in a way that means holding a protest sign because we've seen injustice in the world and we want it to stop. 
Now, there is a long and hallowed tradition of Christian protest where followers of Jesus have stood up in public to demand justice and demand change. And that's not everyone's calling. And I suspect it might make some of us at St. Paul's pretty uncomfortable. I don't see a lot of protesting types in the congregation. There's maybe a few of you hidden away. But it is a way that the Holy Spirit inspires some people to live out their faith and to share the saving love of God with the world. And thank goodness for that. Without the Holy Spirit, we never would have been given a gift like Martin Luther King Jr. And remember, he was not really seen as a gift of God by many people when he was out there protesting. But we can see now how deeply God was at work in him and the thousands that stood beside him to help change our country for the better. I pray that the Holy Spirit continues to raise up leaders who are ready to go out and protest and speak out and help us continue to change in the ways that we need to. And sometimes, sometimes the Holy Spirit fills us up and sends us to share the saving love of God in the world, in the world, to do things that, that might seem a little less active but are not at all easy. Things like listening and seeking understanding and working to educate ourselves and see the world through someone else's eyes. And that can mean reading books, books that expand our horizon and our perspective, it can mean listening to the stories of people's lives who are very different than our own, stopping to feel the pain of someone else, especially someone who's speaking out. That's something the Holy Spirit can motivate us to do, and it's work that can help us know the saving love of God in a new way and prepare us to share it with the world. St. Paul's, I want to remind you this morning that racism is a sin. There are a lot of things for us to debate about what is happening in the country right now, but that is not one of them. Racism is a sin. It's contrary to the will of God. God created all human life, and God loves all people with an equal and an everlasting love. Racism is a sin because it devalues human life, and as followers of Jesus, that means that we are called to confess it, to confront it, and to rid ourselves of it when we find it in ourselves and in the world around us. And this weekend has reminded all of us that we have a lot of work to do, to confess it, to confront it, and to rid ourselves and the communities around us of racism. This is part of what the Holy Spirit's doing for me today this weekend, this Pentecost weekend. The Holy Spirit is stirring up some questions inside of me, making me face my own unsettledness about the protests and the riots and the anger and the fear in our country. The Holy Spirit is leading me to ask, what do I wanna do to confront the sin of racism? Maybe you have that question rattling around in your head and in your heart too. Doing anti-racism work, Knowing the love of God for all people, that is another way to share the saving love of God with the world. And we may be uncertain where to start right now, and we may be uncertain where it will lead, but the Holy Spirit's with us. This is the promise of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is here and with us, ready to guide, ready to reveal, ready to help us grow in love of God and our neighbor. And then the Holy Spirit is going to want us to share that love of God and neighbor with the world. That's what the Spirit's been doing since the very moment of Pentecost. 
It's what the Spirit of God is up to right now. So I invite you just to be open to the ways that the Spirit might be leading you to new horizons, to new challenges, to new ways of sharing the love of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.